Welcome to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. During her podcast, Krista will interview experienced and successful healthcare professionals on outside-the-box health topics. During their time together, they will have in-depth discussions with trusted medical and health and wellness leaders to discover what they do to stay well using traditional and non-traditional health practices. Experts will share not only what, but why they practice the holistic lifestyle medicine they do and the science that backs their less than mainstream ideas. You'll hear the real and relatable personal health struggles of healthcare providers and what rebelling outside of the traditional healthcare system did to better their lives, careers, and health. Tune in to listen and learn the mind-body-spirit practices from conventional health experts who share hope and inspiration from honest stories of healing while reflecting the scientific-based evidence to wisely guide the inner rebel inside you. It's time to rebel and be well. Dr. Carolyn Torkelson to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. I'd like our audience to get to know you a little bit better, so I'm going to start by giving them some of your professional background here. Dr. Carolyn Torkelson is an integrative primary care physician who practices at the University of Minnesota. She's an associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine with a joint appointment in the Department of OBGYN and Women's Health. She specializes in women's health and is the medical director of integrative services at Women's Health Specialist and co-chairs the Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group that provides quarterly meetings for practitioners. She has a master's in clinical research and has published numerous articles on integrative health. Dr. Torkelson retired December 2019 from the university and is spending her time writing and pursuing new adventures. Additionally, Carolyn Torkelson is a pioneer in innovative adult learning. She's co-authoring The Other Side of Menopause, Women Seeking Integrative Health and Well-Being. Welcome to the podcast. And I am also wanting to say thank you for joining us at The Point Retreats for two future retreats in 2021. She's going to be part of our Rebel and Be Well Women's Retreat in May, which is going to focus on female hormones, sexual well-being, nutritional needs for the women, and advocating for self. And then secondly, she will be part of our Rebel and Be Well Healthcare Professional Continuing Medical Education Retreat in September, which is sponsored by the Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group, and will feature our keynote speaker, Dr. Suzanne Bartlett-Hackenmiller, and she is a forest bathing therapist and practitioner in addition to MD. So I'm really excited about both of those upcoming events. Personally, I'm really excited to learn more about women's health. Of course, as a woman, we're always um, thinking about women's health issues. But as I moved into my 40s, Carolyn, I'm experiencing many more of the hormonal shifts that most of us do as we hit midlife. And in addition, I have a sister who was diagnosed with ovarian cancer just a few years ago. So uh, women's health has become very near and dear to me. So I'm really excited to spend some time talking to you both on a personal and professional level. So thank you again for being here. We're going to go ahead and get started and I look forward to learning more. Uh, So Carolyn, tell me a little bit more about what drew you into medicine and healthcare when you started your career. Thank you so much, Krista, for inviting me to this podcast. I 
came into healthcare kind of from a long and windy road. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the 60s generation. Mm -hmm. So it was a time when there was a lot of awakening around social justice, about the Vietnam War, and about many other women's issues that were going on. Mm -hmm. So when I first went off to college, I got a degree in history. Hmm. And soon realized that I couldn't find a job. Yeah. So I went to a place of kind of a natural sense of who I was. And that was an interest way back in the early 70s in wellness and nutrition. Yeah. And I went to nursing school. A fellow nurse. I knew there was a reason I like you so much. Yes. <laughs> so my initiation into healthcare was really through the door of nursing. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to say that I did have some exp experience in that, in that mm -hmm. my first job when I was 12 years old mm -hmm. was working in a nursing home. Wow. Where I would bring patients their food and their trays and feed yeah. them. Yeah. So I had a real sense of patient care early, early on in my adolescence. Yes, you did. 12 is young, so that's impressive. The owner of the nursing home was my next door neighbor, and I convinced him to let me work for 50 cents an hour. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you were advocating for yourself at a young age. That's good. <laughs> Advocacy early was very important. Right. So you went through nursing school, and did you work as a nurse then? Yes, I worked as a nurse. I had very interesting um, um, experiences. One was that I spent a year in Guatemala. Okay. Uh, working on a mission and doing clinical services there. Yeah. And then after that, when I came back, I went into a nurse practitioning program. Okay. That led me to work in the early 80s with mm -hmm. a Dr. Neil Nathan in Duluth, Minnesota, mm -hmm. where we opened a wellness clinic. Okay. I, and we worked in that within that clinic. We mm -hmm. had a physician and we did things like... Um, uh, nutritional health, chelation mm -hmm. therapy, body-mind therapies. Um, so very early on in the 80s, I had exposure to integrative health. Wow. Was that common in the early 80s? It was very uncommon. Okay. Uh, we were one of the early wellness clinics, holistic clinics, yeah. we would have called it at that time. Uh, that was uh, That movement was going on, but very early on, there were holistic conferences that were starting for medical doctors. Sure. And I went to probably my first one in 1981 in Chicago. Okay. And one of the guest speakers was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. That was my exposure. It was that time that I decided I needed to go to medical school. I felt in a, a holistic care was really important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in order to make that movement happen, I needed to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, re I went to medical school at the University of Minnesota Although I was an older student, I wasn't the oldest uh -huh. and been able to enjoy, um, you know, my work as an MD mm -hmm. for over 30 mm -hmm. years. That is amazing. You know what, and Carolyn, I think, you know, nurses and doctors have a lot of common ground, and then they also approach patients very differently. And I, I mean, I could have a whole conversation with you about that. I'd love to interview on that topic. But I would imagine your patients have really benefited from the fact that you have a background in both spaces of care. Do you feel that too? Do you feel like that's benefited you? Absolutely. I think that uh, introduction into nursing, looking at at your patient from a different perspective, from a different lens, clearly 
altered how I became a physician. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. And probably maybe propelled you a little more even into the integrative space um, as nurses tend to think a little bit more mind, body, spirit in their approach to care, at least traditionally anyways. So yeah, that's really exciting. I have to imagine there's not that's not a large population of nurses that go on to medical school. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think in my class, there may be, there were a few women coming from other professions, from pharmacy, uh, from physical therapy, but those Mm -hmm. were a few and maybe more. There's been not more and more, but also the whole arena of nursing has expanded, Right. you know, with a doctor and nurse practitioning, it's really taken on a new role. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's been that great of need for people in the nursing field to feel they have to cross over into the MD field. Sure. Because they have a lot of autonomy on their own. Right, right. Nope, that's a great point to make. Great point to make. Explain to our audience, where are you kind of, do you fit most into that role of being a traditional medical professional and practitioner versus maybe the non-traditional? Because integrated is you use a little bit of both. So where do you see yourself being more traditional and where do you see yourself being more non-traditional? I believe that the arena of integrative medicine Mm -hmm. itself, by its definition, Mm -hmm. engages both conventional and what uh, other other options for healing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very hard to kind of differentiate where one stops and where one starts. Hmm. What I see my role as is bridging the gap. Mm -hmm. Women come with all different kinds of needs, some of them in the conventional setting, and they know very little about options for them. Mm -hmm. And I kind of help bridge them over to other arenas, other feeling. Then there's women who come in who are much more on the spectrum of, of, of non-conventional health care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes they really need to, the, con, the, mm-hmm. the conventional input. They yeah. need to hear that information that will help them kind of do a more whole systems approach to healing. Right, right. So I really come from it, not so much where I'm at, but where the patient is at mm-hmm. and offer to them and help facilitate their understanding of how they can live a balanced life. Mm, what a beautiful approach. I see really integrative health as in, or holistic health as a philosophy of life, yeah. of how we live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even so much about modalities, about it's how we choose to live our life as healthful as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've seemed to have this philosophy from very early on. I mean, maybe at the age of 12, right? When you first went into that nursing home and we're working. Yeah. I think my awareness is very limited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably at 12, but clearly at a younger age than maybe many of us, it started to resonate with you that there was this integrative philosophy to healthcare. Yeah, it was pretty innate. You know, a lot of people talk about a lightning bolt moment or it was this experience in my life that converted me. That is not my experience. Mine was very internal, very uh, intuitive that I just really understood or believed that eating well was important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That exercising was a part of what we do, moving our body. So I came to it a little, I think, maybe a little bit differently than some people. So there wasn't this kind of one experience or this one patient that was like, oh, okay, now I'm going this way. Certainly my patients have 
put me, uh, kept me on the journey, mm-hmm. kept me on track, uh, and called on me to say, well, what about this and what about that? Sure. So for me, as far as embracing the concept of holism, it was very natural. Yeah. I love that you were just kind of following your internal radar and what was yeah. resonating with you and how you were going to approach your patients, which is really a beautiful way to have be guided in, in your approach. And I think that, you know, the times that I lived and what I grew up in, mm-hmm. that that whole, I, I was, curiosity was encouraged. Mm. And I think curiosity and being, being bold and being mm-hmm. kind of brave and going out and doing things is a real important part of, you know, of our life's journey. At least it has been for me. And I now see you, you know, really wanting to encourage women to find that part of themselves, you know, both as their healthcare advocate, but also kind of as like their coach advocate, right? Like their life coach. How did that come to be for you that you, you know, thought, hey, I really want to focus on women's health or I have a strong interest in women's health? In general, my interest has been around women's health care. When I started my first practice, I did full spectrum family medicine. Okay. And a big part of that uh, spectrum was delivering babies. Mm-hmm. So I, in my first 10 years of my practice, did a lot of women's health around care for the pregnant woman, mm-hmm. for the delivery, and for the child, and for the baby, for the infant. Okay. That was always a, a part of my interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I left full-spectrum primary practice and went back to the university to do research around integrative care, an opportunity to uh, work in women's health care presented itself. And mm-hmm. that just seemed ideal for me. Mm-hmm. And the interest around aging women really came as I myself personally aged at an early, at an early time into menopause. Okay. And felt that I needed direction. And it was really hard to find yeah. good support uh, around early menopause. Mm-hmm. So I think that is has really prompted a lot of my mm. interest. There wasn't a voice, so you knew you had to be one. Mm-hmm. You were going to be the rebel pioneer. The rebel pioneer. <laughs> First, you were the nurse who went back to medical school, and then you decided to be the medic- one of the pioneers in integrative medicine, and then a pioneer and a rebel in talking about the topics in women's health yes, that people don't talk about. Find it very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, which is thank goodness for all of us who are sitting here with those same struggles that you went through, and now we have a resource. Um, And very soon we're going to have a book, which I want to talk about a Uh a little bit more too. But what topics do you feel like women need the most resources for that still like go unspoken? Or what was it about that moment where you were like, gosh, I'm seeing changes and I need someone to talk about this. Like what are those this things that women need support on? Certainly the disinformation around hormone therapy Mm -hmm. has been a real motivator for me. Mm I think that in 2002, when the Women's Health Initiative came out and really changed our perspective on the use of hormone therapy, it had a great effect on many women's life at the time and subsequently. Sure. And now we know that the use of hormone therapy is probably a much safer, 
even though with caution, Mm -hmm. it's much safer to use. And I feel that a lot of our practitioners, a lot of uh, both in uh, the nurse practitioners and both in physicians are remain somewhat skeptical or unprepared Mm -hmm. to be talking to women about their choices. Hmm. You kind of default to the one or two things, you know, and keep on with that way of treating patients. Well, remember that in 2002, when the Women's Health Initiative came out and a lot of hormone therapy information was halted, mm-hmm. that physicians who were being taught in medical school were just taught, boy, you've got to be really careful about the use of hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. And that was the amount of education they got. Yeah. <laughs> Which is about practicing now. Yeah. So when you try to re-educate about old information, it's a challenge. Right. Dissemination of new information is really, uh, can be very challenging. The interest in talking to women about hormones, especially as women get older, mm-hmm. you know, right around menopause, people feel safer about using it. But as people get older, mm. then the reluctance to use hormone therapy is a much more cautionary tale. Sure, sure. And, you know, anything that has a liability to it as a physician, you know, you're going to be cautious about, which is a good thing. But at the same time, there's this thing called quality of life. And mm-hmm. for women to sit and suffer without any options or understanding their options for what they can do and all of a sudden their hormones, you know, abruptly change or shift or stop, Um, that can leave women really miserable. So thank you for pioneering the way and getting information out, which I'm sure kind of along your journey, have you sometimes had pushback from people, whether it was as you were trying to incorporate integrative or wellness into care or trying to kind of shift this paradigm around how we approach women's care? Has that happened to you? There's been some of that, but I think within the clinic that I worked at, Women's Health uh, Specialist, Mm -hmm. there was also an appreciation for the option that I could provide for women who were looking for integrative care or who might be looking for good information on hormone therapy. Mm -hmm. So generally, uh, there was not a lot of pushback. In fact, most of the time they would say, please see Dr. Torkelson. That's not an area Uh, of expertise. uh And one of the challenges was to say to them, please learn more about integrative care so you can also provide that to your your patient population. Right. That's so wonderful that you had colleagues that supported you early on. And, you know, I'm sure for a lot of clinicians and providers, it's really challenging when you have patients continuing to show up on your schedule with the same concerns and you've tried kind of the things that you were taught and it's no longer working. So to have a specialist like you who's taken the time to learn other ways of healing and and health and hormones, they're probably like, you know what, please go see Carolyn and stop showing up on my schedule. Because you had other tools in your toolbox, courtesy of you having a passion and and an intuition around integrative care, which is fantastic. And I love it that as we've created our agenda for our women's retreat in May, we've been very, you know, been able to quickly put in topics that we know women need to talk about, but we don't. Uh, Maybe in little pockets of our friends, like, you know, when we're drinking wine by the fire, but otherwise for professional resources, there are not a lot of them. 
So I'm really grateful that you're going to bring forward some of those topics, you know, like hormones and, and what they mean with every decade of life. And, you know, there's those kind of childbearing years. There are the There's the midlife, you know, the perimenopause and menopause. And then I love the fact that you are really embracing women who are post-menopause because mm-hmm. that is a really neglected space of health. And... There's hormones dictate a lot of what happens in your body, and we need to have a better understanding of the impact that they have. So thank you for that. And you're even going to talk about the taboo topic sex, which is like, wow. (laughs) I think you were one of the few people who gave me like one of the first semi-educational books on sex. And I was like, I like this girl. (laughs) That's good to know. Yeah. Well, when I look at some of the concerns that are raised by, and I'm now I'm talking about postmenopausal women, not that other women don't have the same concerns, is sexual health is something that really is on women's minds, yeah. but it's often not talked about. Mm-hmm. Or if it is, you know, it's not, maybe some of the options to improve sexual health is not readily available. Mm-hmm. So one of my roles is really talking frankly uh, with women about how how do they deal with their sexual health as they're aging? Mm-hmm. How can they make it better? And how are they communicating that with their partner? Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, sometimes the hardest piece if you don't even understand sometimes, it yourself. Sometimes that's the hardest piece. Yeah. Um, when I ask women, are you sexually active? You know, I get all sorts of answers, you know, low libido, uh, my partner isn't interested, mm-hmm. or gosh, I'm sexually active and I've never talked to my husband of 40 years about our sex life. Hmm. which is not an uncommon response. Sure. How do I do that? Sure. We just don't talk about it. So opening up that dialogue is really important. Well, and you're normalizing it because you're seeing normalizing it. Yes. So many women with the same concerns where women start to feel like this is just a is this just a me thing? And then yes. you don't want to talk about it because it's like, I don't want my doctor to think, you know, I'm have some odd condition or some odd requests or odd concerns. So you normalize it, which is really important and make it known that this isn't, this isn't, you know, you're not alone in this. You've got a a whole um, community of women that have the same concerns, which is usually really helpful for women to hear. Actually, it's a real interesting, it's a fun topic. Uh, It really engages women in their whole wellness process. Uh So um, it's, it's a good bridge to cross. Yeah. And that's what you are. You've been a bridge your whole career. So it makes sense. So at what moment did you say, okay, I want to write a book on women's health? About two years ago, I had the opportunity to have a a three-month sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And it gave me the opportunity to say, okay, I'm just going to sit down and begin to write. Mm -hmm. Uh, Write some stories about women who have made me think about well, how can I approach that differently or what can I have to offer them? And I also uh, wanted this book to help in, to help introduce the public to different kinds of integrative approaches hmm. so that at the end of reading the book, they could say, oh, you know, I really didn't know what Ayurvedic medicine meant or I really hmm. didn't know what functional medicine was or mm-hmm. energy healing or the different ways that I might be able to improve my bone health. I wanted them to be able to, at the end of that book, to walk away with kind of an, an encyclopedia of ideas. Mm-hmm. I love that. Say, oh, this works for me, but I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what led me to 
want to begin the writing process. Right, right. And you are in the midst of what, about halfway through writing this book? I have a, actually a great deal of it written. The mm-hmm. challenge, obviously, is finding a, a literary agent and an right. editor and a publisher. Right. That, you know, because if I were Sanjay Gupta or somebody like that, who wouldn't want to read a book by him and who what publisher wouldn't want to take that on? You right. know, and he's got a new book out, just came out. Okay. I have to promote myself yeah. and away or else decide to publish it myself, which is right. not something that I really have much desire to do. Sure. But just the exercise of writing, just the exercise of putting down these women's stories. It's been a task. It's been a mm-hmm. challenge, but mm-hmm. it's really been a fulfillment of something I've wanted to do for a really long time. Mm, it's so wherever it goes, wherever mm-hmm. the tale goes, wherever mm-hmm. the journey goes is really going to mm-hmm. be okay with me. What a great thing. You're doing this because it's a, it's filling a purpose. It's filling a part of your mission. And that I think just kind of organically will create content and words that are just, you know, meant to be shared with others, right, to the right person. And I've had a chance to read just a little blip from your from your book here, a little insert. And I love some of the chapters that you've already put together and, sh- and been so kind yeah. to share with me. Do you mind if I just say oh, a few ahead. of them? Okay. In chapter four... Uh, it's going to be about postmenopausal restore the balance. Chapter five, sleep disruption, deepening the knowing, because sleep disruption is a really big part of hormonal shifts. And whoever told us that? So thank you yeah. for saying that. <laughs> Chapter six, sexual health, energize the flow. Chapter seven, anxiety state, settle the mind. Chapter eight, fatigue, I'm just not myself, enhance resilience. Chapter nine, weight concerns, nourish the body. And it goes on, bone health, brain health, grief and loss. Like you have not missed a beat. It's almost like you've been caring for women your whole career, (laughs) which you have. (laughs) So you've clearly taken years of of clinical experience and coaching, really. I I look at you as a coach too, and and you've probably become a friend to, to many of your patients too. And You've taken a great uh, sacred care of the experiences they've shared with you and and they're now trying to help, you know, other generations of women mm-hmm. learn how to do this with less stress and anxiety and loneliness, which is really a beautiful gift that you're going to give to women. Postmenopausal women literally have 30 to 50 years left to live of their life. Mm-hmm. And we really need to know how to do that well. Mm-hmm. We want to live purposefully. We want to live with joy. We want to live with fulfillment. And how can that be done? Mm-hmm. Because we really have not been prepared for that task. Yeah, no, we haven't. So we really haven't. We, I mean, historically, how the myths of how we've been viewed as women postmenopausally mm-hmm. have been extremely negative. Mm-hmm. And so it's a time to have kind of a rethinking, a relearning, a rebirth about who we are in this time of life. Right. And right. I find that very exciting because I'm 71 years old, but I still feel very, very youthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ex- my mind, my thinking of who I am has not changed. Yeah. Rather than thinking that, oh, you're this 70 year old woman, you must be feeling old. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen or it has not happened to me. 
you exude youthfulness. I'm in your presence and I feel younger just by being around you. I mean, because you just make, you make youth kind of your uh, energy field, right? Like it's youth is a mindset. It's not a number, at least in my mind. And I think in yours too. And, and you bring quality of life to such the forefront of what a woman thinks about that quantity of life. Not, it's still relevant for everybody, right? But it's it, less about the number. It's about like, how am I feeling? And can I do the things I want to do? And I think it's important using the word youth mm-hmm. puts it into a perspective that may not be the healthiest. Mm. It, because mm-hmm. I am living my life where I am now. Mm-hmm. It's not about youth. It's not about adolescence. It's not about any other, 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 other than where I am right now sure. in that process. Because I want people, no matter where they are on their health spectrum, mm-hmm. to feel that they can be healthy mm-hmm. and feel qual- and have quality of life. So if, even if you're suffering with a debilitating, unfortunate, you know, a mm-hmm. disorder, mm-hmm. you will find purpose and joy and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. We have cells that are in our body that are aging. I don't mm-hmm. think we can dispute that until we have some reprogramming of epigenetics, which is really kind of happening. Mm-hmm. I believe it will in the future, mm-hmm. but for right now, we all have some degree of aging properties Mm -hmm. and what we do to either reverse Mm -hmm. uh, prevent delay that process is what we can do with with our lifestyle right right absolutely that's what we can do with our lifestyle so what can we do to maximize and optimize our health Mm -hmm. no matter where we are right Mm -hmm. now with our health status And, you know, Carolyn, that's a great point because I've seen a lot of 40 healthy and a lot of 40 unhealthy. And I've seen a lot of 70 healthy and a lot of unhealthy 70. And so we have a lot of power in whatever decade of life we're in, in how we look, feel, and what we can do, um, which is a powerful message because I don't think you continue to hear that very often. And it's like, oh, you're, well, you're, you know, you're this age, this happens. And you're kind of saying, well, yes, you are that age but you have other options to feel better. Right. You are certainly a healthcare rebel, I would say. Would you say that about yourself? I would say that, yes. I know you had poised a question before about are you a rebel in your personal life or your professional life? Mm-hmm. And when I looked at that question, I thought to myself, that is unanswerable for me mm-hmm. because I just have been a curious, bold person doing what I think I need to do for most of my life. If that's rebellion, I guess that's rebellion. Or is it just living your life fully? Uh-huh. <laughs> You're uh, it's it's like such an you live so philosophically, like in this innate philosophy has been embedded in you from such a young age. You probably look at it really differently than most people because I would say you absolutely are right, it's living your best life, but you are probably I would guess maybe in the the minority of who are choosing to do that at maybe 71. I I I know a lot of 70s. I think there's a lot of proactive and active women. You've fostered a lot of them, which is beautiful. And I think that's wonderful. You know, you've continued when I say rebellion, you know, I think it's that you've continued to kind of push the norm of saying, I'm just gonna accept this because I'm 
this age or that age or because I'm this title or that title. And, you know, you've really pushed to say, you know, you can always be beyond those mm-hmm. define those definitions. Yes. And pushing the envelope, living on the edge is positive in my perspective because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it, it opens the door to really wonderful opportunities and new challenges. Some people would perceive you as kind of just being this like pioneer rebel force who's just adventurous and spirited and living her best life, which you are all of those. But like now at this stage, what's your what's your cause? Because my, my hunch is it's probably changed some over your career. So right now, what are you most passionate about? That's a really good question. When I decided to retire, which was a really challenging, it was a difficult decision I was not sure what it would look like for me. Mm -hmm. I would say that most of my life, I have been a workaholic, Mm. have maybe not found the time that I need to maybe to create community Mm -hmm. and to be more connected. Mm -hmm. So a part of what I have, and certainly the retirement interfacing with COVID has been a particularly challenge. Absolutely. A a big challenge. I mean, it's been a big challenge for everybody. And so some of the opportunities to create some of the community work that I want to do has been somewhat curtailed. Mm -hmm. And you might say to me, well, what do you mean by building community? And I'm not even sure what that looks like, Mm -hmm. but it's about messaging, I think, for women. Mm -hmm. That, and that is a community that I want to create in kind of a new perspective. I'm open to how that's going to look. Right. Because I'm not absolutely clear. Right. I know I'm passionate about certain things. I like to exercise. I like to, I enjoy travel. Yeah. I enjoy the warmth and the ocean. Those are things that I really seek out because they keep me healthy. Yeah. That's what works for me. hmm and um, I have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of also some of my passion. Mm-hmm. I think I'm on a whole new adventure and I don't know what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. I think just from from watching you as your friend, you know, from kind of an outside perspective. Yeah, I sense you've got a whole another really exciting adventure ahead of you. And I'm sure this book is going to open up part of what you're yet to kind of receive and have happen. I, I just sense it in you. But I think you bring up some really good points that for those people, you know, in similar places such as you, where you've recently retired and you were like just on the cusp of kind of going to that next phase of exploring retirement and exploring all that that meant, COVID's made that look really different. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're eager for things to return back to normal as we all are. But so you can kind of say, okay, now I get to like do that next phase of my life as I had originally started to vision. But again, women aren't alone in that. And and I think that's another voice that you lend to that um, women, not all women, but most women need other women. And I hear you kind of saying, you know, that's going to be part of your next chapter. You're just trying to figure out exactly how that's going to look. In that community, opening to that new chapter is what I think is in the future, but I don't need to know what that is yet. Mm -hmm. 
I can let that uh, develop. I want to share with you, Carolyn, it was interesting as we started to put out some information on our women's retreat, I've had women of all ages say, well, is this for me? Is this for me? I'm, I'm this age. Is this for me? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is for you. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. And I had someone who was in her 70s ask if she was, you know, at the right age or too old to come to the retreat. And I said, there is no such thing, number one. And oh, right. Carolyn is the testimony to that, right? Like she's the person that will continue to inspire you to do great things. Um, and I love that about you. You are such an inspiration. And um, I'm just so grateful that you are willing to talk about topics that I do think women need to really sit in a room with um, a wonderful human like yourself and a professional like yourself and really have a lot of their concerns addressed and validated and recognized and then, you know, give them options, right? Which is really a huge relief for women. I think having opportunities for, for conversation mm-hmm. is really important where women can feel free in a trusted environment to ask the kind of questions and have the kind of conversations that so often they don't have. Finding out more about you and your history, going back to what you shared, like in the 60s and 70s, I can yeah. completely see why one of the first topics of conversation you you know brought up as we were developing our, our agenda for the weekend was advocacy, like women's advocating, women advocating for themselves, their own health, their own well-being. And that's something that you've really, I see, been a pioneer in, probably through some, you know, years where that wasn't always encouraged and fostered. So thank you. Thank you for doing that for us, for women. Absolutely. You know, older women, certainly, but women in general have been a marginalized community. Mm -hmm. That is why we need to advocate. Because there's still so many opportunities where we are disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. There are so many times. I mean, why do, you know, I was just reading an article. Women physicians and many professionals make 30% less than their counterparts. What is that about? I know. Why is happening. And we are becoming so much stronger uh, with people like Nancy Pelosi Mm -hmm. as a Speaker of the House. We do have models and people to carry the torch for us. And we can't forget that. In a year where we've seen a lot of isms arise and erupt, ones that we thought had been long gone, you know, I really think we've seen that ageism and sexism exists. You are a voice for women of all ages to pursue their best selves. And Mm -hmm. that is, you are a role model in that. I mean, of course we have the more public ones, but you are one that I hold near and dear. And Mm -hmm. I want to share this with you. I don't know if I did, but we had one of the most, one of the most profound experiences I had at the point was watching a 78 year old woman who was like, I just can't even find enough wonderful adjectives to describe her But she, we were going to do a cold plunge. It was a winter retreat. She was one of the first ones out there. She borrowed my swimsuit to do it. And she just went in feet first and didn't look back. And I was like, you are my inspiration from this day forward. Like, I can only hope and pray I'm as cool as you. (laughs) Even next year at 47. So 
I thought you would love that. I got to show you a picture of her and you should meet her someday and maybe she'll come to the retreat. I don't know, but she's, you know, you see those women that are so inspirational and we have to keep on inspiring one another. And I appreciate the fact that you keep inspiring so many, including myself. So if somebody wanted to learn more about you, if somebody wanted to, you know, find your book or if somebody wanted to see you in the clinic, what kind of options are there for our audience to connect with you that you're willing to share? I am just launching a website and it's not even up yet with the URL of women aging well. Mm. And on that will be an opportunity to kind of meet me, Mm -hmm. uh, be introduced to the book because it's not published yet. Mm Be introduced to other options around integrative care. Okay. So I think the social platform of the website Mm -hmm. is going to be the best way to connect. Perfect. Currently, I do not have a clinical practice, Mm -hmm. so I'm not seeing people Mm one-on-one. I'm doing a little precepting for a residence, but that is not a way to access mm-hmm. me from a clinical perspective. Mm-hmm. So the website is going to be a good way. Now, the other option too, is I should mention the mm-hmm. Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group, mm-hmm. which I co-chair with Bill Manahan. And that is a group of practitioners, mm-hmm. practitioners from all walks of uh, healthcare mm-hmm. who are on the clinical front, who are seeing people clinically for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. And we have meetings quarterly when it's not COVID and talk about interesting integrative perspectives, get to know one another, know who to refer to. So that uh, group meets, like I said, on a quarterly basis. And this past year, we've just been able to meet email or mm-hmm. webinars mm-hmm. or the retreat that we had this last mm-hmm. October at the point. And if you are a clinician wanting to take a deeper dive into integrative medicine or an integrative medicine clinician or professional who just wants a community of support, I cannot say enough positive things about Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group. In particular, Dr. Carolyn and Dr. Bill, who chair it, co-chair it. What a great group of people and diverse practitioners and Talk about breaking down silos in medicine. Like you two have done that so beautifully and just really embraced so many different types of healthcare practitioners and ways to healing. And your group is such a beautiful representation of integrative holistic medicine. Um, If you're in the Midwest area, I'd highly encourage you to seek them out. And I'm very grateful for the ways in which you've supported the point retreats and become great friends in the process. So thank you for that. Any practitioner interested more in integrative health really needs to connect with the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Mm -hmm. The Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group is a chapter of the AIHM. Okay. So that the AIHM is a a wonderful organization Mm -hmm. that you can easily look into. There's fellowships through them Mm -hmm. if you want, you know, to really get a certification. 
Okay. Okay. That's really good to know. I was going to ask if you could share a little bit more about best avenues for people to explore integrative medicine who are interested. So clearly that's a great place to start your the research. AIHM is a great place to look. And also the function, functional medicine is a great place to start yeah. looking at kind of broadening your perspective on integrative health. Carolyn, are you ready to have a little bit of fun here as I give people okay. a little glimpse okay of you personally. Okay, we're going to do a couple of fire round questions here. Of the points, five pillars, which is the easiest for you to incorporate into your life and which takes the most effort? The five pillars are nutrition, movement, sleep, restoration, and community. I have been a workaholic most of my life. So building community has probably been the most difficult for me to incorporate. Mm -hmm. Whereas nutrition, movement has just come more naturally for me. Sure. And that's what you just shared. You're at this this stage of life where you know there's this community that's just kind of just out there, but you've you know been held back a little bit just because of the year that we've had. What would be your dream vacation? My dream vacation is always by the, the ocean mm. in warm, sunny weather mm -hmm. where I can walk and hike and move. What's your most surprising hobby? I like to make baby blankets. Oh, I didn't I know that. Baby blankets. <laughs> I did not know that. I love that. How beautiful. I see if I had never had this podcast, I wouldn't know that beautiful part about you. <laughs> what do you think the world needs more of right now? I just think it has, it's about tolerance and mm -hmm. acceptance of others mm -hmm. as difficult and as challenging as that is. That's I think it's tolerance for people who don't agree with how you, how you look at the world. Mm -hmm. I don't have any easy solutions as to how to do that, mm -hmm. but it's something we need to embrace. A couple of this or that questions for you. Are you a cat or a dog person? Neither. Oh, okay. Fair answer. Not born with an animal gene. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Sour or sweet? All I could say was salty. Okay, how about massage or acupuncture? Massage. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. West Coast. Carolyn, tell us a habit you have that your family wishes you would ditch. Well, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Because my husband and my daughter would say, it's probably my busy, chattering, anxious mind uh -huh. that is hard to turn off and takes on a very controlling element at yeah. times. Okay. So that's something they would like you to maybe leave at the ocean side? At the ocean side. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I haven't seen that side of you, but you know, I don't live with you, so <laughs> we'll take their word for it. All right, Carolyn. So as we wrap up our fantastic conversation, can you just reiterate one more time the website where people can go to, to find out more about you as you continue to launch all the great things that you're working on? So within the month, there will be a website and it's called womenagingwell.org. And there will be probably the best way to access information. Perfect. And we will include that in our notes also. Um, Thank when we, you. Yeah, That's when we, really nice. 
Well, we want to promote the great work that you're doing and, and just the wonderful way that you're continuing to guide and educate women. So happy to include that. And thank you for sharing that again. And and also want to remind our guests that if you would like to have time to connect with Carolyn in person, she will be at two retreats at the Point Retreats, the Women's Retreat, which is going to be in May of 2021, and then our Continuing Medical Education Retreat for Healthcare Professionals in September, along with other members of the Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group. You can also find out more about The Point Retreats at thepointretreats.com and follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn handles, Point Retreats. And with that, Carolyn, I want to say thank you, my dear friend, for being on this podcast and all the wonderful ways that you just continue to share yourself and your wisdom and so much with others and with me in particular and The Point. And thanks for your time today. And to all that are listening, we hope this podcast continues to inspire you to rebel and be well. I hope you'll join us next week when we will be interviewing Rachel Perry, Mandy Holden, and Christine McDonough. They will be our fitness, energy work, and nutrition experts at our upcoming women's retreat. listening to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder, and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. If you'd like to ask Krista Rimel or one of our past or upcoming guests a question that will be aired on a future show, simply call 612-352-9177 and leave a message. Please know that when you leave a message, it may be used in whole or in part on a future podcast episode. Again, that phone number is 612-352-9177. Please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear feedback. Rebel and Be Well is recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Find them online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of The Point Retreats, Minnesota Podcasting, or any other organization. All medical issues, concerns, diagnoses, medications, and treatments must be managed by your doctor. We do not replace any clinician's medical advice or treatment. Join us next time for Rebel and Be Well.